Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the Fans First Sports Network. I think we are now live on their podcast feeds as you're listening to this, working on a new logo for Raise Your Voice, but we are back on your podcast feeds. And Darby, I'm I'm pretty excited about that. I'm excited too. It's something something new, something fun. I'm excited to uh, check out some of the other content uh, that we're sharing the uh, airwaves with. Yeah, uh, your digital airwaves. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to have a new home, and and I'm excited to hopefully produce some really fun content that people will enjoy, and and maybe even uh, have opportunities to hop on some other other podcasts, get some like co uh, cohabitation here. I, th- I think that's the eventual goal, but good news is if you're listening to this, it means you probably just stayed subscribed or followed to our D-Race Bay podcast network feed, which ho- housed originally the hit show that was hosted by Darby and Danny Russell. And uh, then we you know, Raise Your Voice came on in 2020. It started the, the year of the pandemic and uh, also who's on worst. Uh, so raise your voice. We'll continue to live on this podcast feed, which is being obviously, as you just heard, rebranded, uh, kind of who's on worst. We believe we'll be on YouTube. Right. Darby, is that the, where, where our last decision I think, was? I think we're doing YouTube and if possible, co splitting it onto, onto here, but, uh, but we will be posting that on YouTube as well as like onto the website as well onto DRA's yes. Bay. So you can, you can still catch it pretty much if you were still the normal way as you were listening and following our stuff is probably not going to change too much in, in your end, but, uh, but there is a lot of stuff moving behind the scenes on our end. So yes. which is all exciting stuff. And if you're watching this on YouTube uh, or you have been, it's still going to continue to be, on youtube so hope you're enjoying it there and like darby said we'll still be very much a part of d-ray's bay uh, but you know i like adding the video component too uh, i can sit here i've got uh, my rowdies hat on they got uh, their first one in a few weeks today in detroit uh, we've got the brett phillips and then i also have an adult beverage to help get me through this tampa bay lightning game um, <laughs> so it's team tampa bay the rays yes. were pretty stressful early on Tonight, I, I do want to talk about tonight's game, the Saturday night's game. Um, Pretty wild were, game, yeah. <laughs> the Rays were being no hit by Lance Lynn um, into the seventh inning, and then all of a sudden uh, scored 10 runs. Yes. And now a they're quick, up 12 to three in the a bottom. A quick and like quiet, you know, a quick and loud 10 runs. Yeah. Nine hits from zero hits. I mean, that's, I think it really cannot be stressed enough that they were no hit into the seventh inning. And then had 10 hits. It started with a Wander Franco opposite field home run on 0-2. So very good piece of hitting right there. So there goes the no-hitter. There goes the shutout. But still 3-1. to So it's not, not, you know, still Lance Lynn doing the pitching well. Um, The next biggest thing in that uh, that thing, because he got Randy Rosarana striking out, was Josh Lowe going down to 0-2. And mm-hmm. they talked about it on the broadcast. Like he he was, you know, every batter is bad 0-2 because that's just a really, that's a very pitcher-friendly count. But 
Josh Lowe was basically impossibly, he was just under, he was, I think, batting 092 uh, when he fell behind 02. This year, he's been really good. And this at bat in particular was just, I think that further maturation in his, his evolution in his game is that he was able to lengthen the swing, get it, get it like into the zone and be able to just like serve it out into the outfield. It wasn't a very hard hit. It wasn't a very good hit but it was enough of a hit, got the base hit, and that just basically kept the train moving forward. So got the hit, then everybody else after that, it just started to like snowball. And so that was the kind of the fun thing right there was that like, again, with this lineup, we talk about it, it's just top to bottom, there's not like a let up. So you got guys like Isak Paredes who can give you a good at bat. You have guys like, Josh Lowe being able to contribute in that inning, you had, you had uh, Paredes come through. You had people like jo- uh, Taylor Walls draw a good walk. You had uh, pinch hitters like Manny Margot and Yandy Diaz contribute. You had um, uh, uh, Jose Siri come through with a big, uh, a big double. And then when those guys in the bottom of the lineup start to contribute, start to get those hits, then suddenly you then get it back over to the top of the order where Juan Franco had another great at bat, drove in some more runs. Randy Rosarena kind of put a capper on it with a, with a huge home run. Uh, and then of course, you know, Josh Lowe got a home run too. So it was just like even extending it out, but that was the type of, it was just the type of, of inning that this team is capable of where, you know, like they're not out of any game because they could just keep stringing together positive outcomes, a walk, uh, positive, you know, out uh, where you're you're putting contact on, and you're driving in a run, and you're forcing the defense to to make a play. Um, in that inning, you had an aggressive send that then the White Sox were not able to hold onto the ball, and it got got loose. So there's a there was a whole lot of things like that where you really could see a game just flip on its head because the team is just constantly putting pressure on it. So uh, impressive inning, um, very unimpressive season for the White Sox. And it's still April. Uh, there was, I think, uh, sell the team chants that were ringing in after that. So uh, rough stuff for the Southsiders, but. Uh... Yeah. So about the lineup and everybody contributing, I tweeted out that this team kind of reminds me of the 2009 Yankees when it was just one through nine. You were going to get punished no matter who was at the plate. And watching the Rays lineup in that that seventh inning tonight really felt like that. The White Sox, however, man, I mean, ever since they hired Tony Larusa, it has been a tr- like this was a team I thought that was on the precipice of like becoming a perennial contender with the young core that they had. Then they hired Tony LaRusso, which was like a unilateral decision by their owner. And ever since then, it has been awful. The, they, I feel like they were like this young vibes team, right? A lot of young, talented players, a lot of, lot of, uh, you, you had Tim Anderson kind of leading the way, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez. You, you had a really cool young core building, 
and they were a Jose very Abreu. like Jose Abreu. There was a very fun like uh, like energy to the team, right? There was a swagger. There was there was like a lot of fun. There was good vibes, and then you hired Tony, who was like just the worst vibes you could possibly imagine. And then before he even manages the team, he gets into a DUI. Uh, like, like, and, and it's like, this is the worst fight. And then he just was bad. He was just awful. Like, I mean, like Tony La Russa is a hall of fame baseball person as he, as he said, um, but the game changes and what worked for Tony and he was, and that's the funny, that's the crazy thing about this is like Tony LaRusso was a pretty revolutionary and progressive manager in his era, but unfortunately age and uh, calcification comes for everybody. And Tony LaRusso is not a progressive manager in the year of our Lord, hey, 2022. The, the, the founding fathers were progressive in their time. <laughs> True, very true. And uh Tony LaRusso was just after them. He he, I think, voted for Madison. Uh the that's the problem is like you had this guy who was like a grandpa coming into this team of like all like young, exciting people. And then you just had that that feeling of like, oh, they can't be fun and cool anymore because now they're gonna get in trouble if they're cool and it awful vibes. And it's just I feel like continued. I don't I don't know if if uh, Pedro um, Griffal Griffal is yeah. How, I, I have no idea if he's a good manager or not, but this team is is a sunken ship. Like you had Luis Robert hit a grounder to um, Calvin Fauché in the first inning, a tough, a very tough play by Fauché, who snagged it and then fired to first to catch a very speedy runner who happened to be doing the slowest walk, and he got him by like five feet. And like, oh, that's not good. And then, and then Pedro, um, the White Sox manager, uh, benched him. And so, like, you, you just, it's, it's April, and like you said, this was a team that was, the, the, this was the team that was like the team to beat in the Central like two years ago, and then last year, and then even coming into this year, they were expected to be loud and exciting. I think they're the team that you expect to be like in the race and the central is not the strongest division by any means. Um, but between them, you know, the guardians and the twins, that's who you expect the top three to be. It's been like that for over half a decade now in that division, that the tigers and the Royals are just kind of playing catch up. Um, but yeah, the right, like the, the bullpen is, is rough. Um, I know they've got like Tim Anderson is hurt. And Garrett Crochet had Tommy John surgery. Duh. Like, of course, that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, Liam Hendricks, though, is dealing with cancer, but he's on his way back. Um, so Which is great. Yeah, he, yeah. He's pitching on the back back lot, so that's super exciting. That's awesome. Hopefully, yeah. he comes back and, and absolutely dominates. But, yeah, for the White Sox, they're 7-21, and 21, right? I mean, it's just it's not looking good for them this year, but Let's pivot back towards the Rays. So, of course, a day after we put this podcast out, or maybe it was the same day, Taj Bradley gets sent down um, after we talked about him. Uh, pretty much for the for the biggest chunk of last week's episode, how he was going to have a shot to be on the team the whole season. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yes, a bunch of people... They they scream out, oh, it's service time manipulation. 
but it, it was pretty clear and well reported on what the Rays goals were with this demotion. Either that, or that's just what they tell Mark Topkin. And that's what he puts out there. I don't know. Go ahead. Derby. What are your, what are your thoughts on the Taj Bradley uh, demotion for at least a little bit? I think one of the things we, 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 we talked about this too in the same, in the same vein. So everything we talked about Taj Bradley being like exciting and talented and somebody that's here for the long haul is true. Um, but I also think two things can be true. And I, and I think for, with the Rays and, and a lot of the content about the Rays, and, it, and we talk about this a lot, is that this is a team that fairly consistently people do not give the benefit of the doubt to, right? So like this type of move, they, they're a team that is in that has been labeled in equal parts, a team that just burns through arms and doesn't care about long-term health and a team that's going to try to do anything to manipulate uh, like the mm. cap and, 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 uh, and, and, you know, steal service time here and there. And so when it comes to somebody like Todd Bradley, the idea is he's not been pitching on a five day schedule. He's been pitching on a six day schedule. That's what the minor leagues tends to do. And that's what he's been pitching in the majors um, today. For instance, I saw some people talking about it. Cause like Calvin Fauché was an opener for Yanni Chirinos. And we can talk about that game uh, like the performance from Yanni today, but they're looking at that as like, oh, well, too, you know, oh, too bad we don't have like, uh, you know, Taj Bradley up here instead of like Calvin Fauché. Here's the problem. Ta- Taj Bradley wouldn't be pitching today because this is the fifth day. And so the idea is you want to get him ready for that that schedule. And I did see some folks questioning why wouldn't it be done in the majors? The team and they and. Mark Topkin had a really good article in the Tampa Bay Times today, I believe, about and with with good quotes from the team kind of about that process that you can script it out a lot better in the minor leagues. You don't care about results as much down there. You get to he is going to have to transition back to this new schedule, but you want to do it in a way that keeps him healthy. You want to make sure that they're pitching in some cold weather climates right now. That was a big factor. Uh, they don't want to necessarily shorten what they have in the major leagues because you do have to maybe bring down that workload for those times. And you're now carrying Fleming and Chirinos and Bradley, who all cannot, they're all kind of bulk. So you don't, you're losing, you're missing that short term. In the meantime, they've, they've kind of used Keith Hembry and then DFA'd him and then Nick Birdie and then optioned him. You're cycling through the short arms in between getting to those, bulk arms for Taj Bradley the plan seems to be he's going to start Sunday which is on his sixth day of rest so a normal start and then after that I think they're scripting it a little bit shorter distance uh, so you're not going to go as many pitches because he's then going to come back on a day shorter rest which is the fifth day which is the standard major league starting uh, resting which is four days of rest start on the fifth day He's then going to do that, but probably be another shorter appearance to, again, make sure that you are adjusting the body and not putting that extra strain because it's a new training regimen. People like Drew Rasmussen are actually quoted in the article um, by Topkin today talking about that transition, kind of going from a reliever and going from a six-man rotation in college when he was a starter to the majors to then, you know, kind of making that adjustment. It takes quite a bit. 
after he does a, a five day, he's then going to probably do another five day, maybe a six, and then kind of balance that out so that they can build him up and try to get him back to that 80, 90 pitches. It doesn't seem like it'll take that long, but they're going to try to do this in a way that will allow him to be able to build back up, but not rush it. And I think that's the key, right? Is like, yeah, they could maybe just say, okay, you were pitching today, Saturday in Chicago, and we're going to let you go for 80 pitches and see what happens. If he gets hurt, that's hurting his future career. That's reckless. And when you have won as many games as you have right now, you have banked the opportunity to be careful, be cautious, let a couple of bullpen days go to get Taj Bradley, who's just 22 and has a huge long future ahead of him to get him ready and prepared in the right way that will keep him healthy. And another thing that I think the Rays are doing right now is you look at those backhand guys who we talked about last week, your Chirinos, your Fleming, and now Calvin Fauche is being stretched out into a multi-inning guy. Um, You don't want all three of those guys, nor can you really expect all three of those guys to be on your roster in September, in September forward. Um, So let's see what we got in them now. Uh, One of them is going to have to, (laughs) I mean, I guess they could both be sent back down to Durham or one of them could be sent back down to Durham. Um, but you're probably going to need one of them. You're probably not going to have room for both. And you might need, you know, Chirinos or Fleming for some big innings if there are more injuries, which if we know how these seasons have gone recently, we can expect um, some more devastating injuries. And that's what you need to get these guys ready for. So get Bradley stretched back out. It's better for him. It's better for his career. See what you got in Chirinos, Fleming, Fauche, whoever else, Kevin Kelly. Uh, and also you're 22 and five. Like you can lose exactly. a couple and it's okay. And on the basis of service time manipulation, I think it's a totally fair thing to be concerned about. And I think it's a totally a fair thing to um bring up. And it's a it's a kind of problem of the of baseball's own creation, um, because the way money works and getting it to players is totally backwards with how baseball actually operates. The primes of players are younger. They're during the years of pre-arb and arb rather than in the free agent years. And because of the fact that the money is flowed towards there, it, uh, it causes people to rightfully be really concerned when a very talented player is not getting a chance to play And if there's reasons beyond that, but I also do think that we kind of go too far in the sense of always looking for that. And to the point where it does affect players, you know, rushing a player up, having them not succeed, it then kind of casts them aside. Somebody like Joe Adele is actually at a perfect age for AAA. He's only 24. He's, he's young and talented, but the fact that he has come up and had about 500 plate appearances in the majors that have been an absolute disaster has basically destroyed his prospect stock. And most people around the league don't really even care Like fan wise, they, they basically see him as a failed prospect and somebody to cast to the wayside. So I think proper development is still important because it doesn't matter if Joe Adele has an extra year of team control, nobody's going to want him for that free agent year. 
You know, like the idea is you want to be so good that by the time you get to those free agent years, you have basically or you know bought a, a year. But when it comes to Taj Bradley, man, if he's healthy for six years, great. But pitcher health does not really work that way. I, I don't think the Rays are doing this with service time as a number one, number two, or number three goal. Now, I think that can be that's gonna be potentially an outcome of this is he might he might lose a, a year of service, but he also might not if he comes back up and, and shoves and he'll be back up probably within a month. Uh, he'll be back up and then he could get a rookie of the year votes, which would then give him that yeah. service year back. I don't think the Rays are looking at him as somebody that like, this is the reason to do this. I think there is absolute real baseball reasons. And the number one reason I think is because Taj Bradley looked so good, so young, because you then want to move him into the rotation full time. And to do that, you want to then build him carefully for the workload of a full time rotation. If you thought that he was not going to be here for the whole year, you then don't mind doing some six-man rotations and then eventually just shuttling them through Durham and just kind of coming up for a spot start here and there. I don't think they, I think what they saw in those first few starts, you know, the first start was entirely just a fill-in for Eflin. Once Springs went down, they gave him a couple more runs. I think he is somebody that they see as like a very high potential future for this team. And at so such a young age that he could be starting a postseason game for them this year. And so because of that, they are now pushing the button on let's get him into the rotation. And to do that, this is what we need to do. Uh, or at least this is what we think we need to do to make it safely get there. Um, I know people are disappointed in not being able to see him pitch. I am too, but he's going to start this process. And if he's not back up, by like June, that would be kind of shocking. But I think for May, you you give him a few weeks to kind of build this up. I think it's probably about five to six starts to to be able to get there if you're you're organizing it. Possibly as as close as four. Um, but I also think this is an opportunity to build him up. Glasnow will hopefully be back soon. We have some uh, we had uh, news on that. Uh, and then you you see what you can get with, again, Fleming and Yanni as that fifth starter and hope that one of them, if not both of them, are a usable major league piece. So I think it's the right time to start to do this. It is disappointing. I totally get that. But I think the this is done just for service time or as a primary factor, I think it's completely not founded. Yeah, and I mean, these, it was rules like that where if you receive rookie of the year voting was to pr prevent service time manipulation. Like, there are rules put in place, but it, it is what it is. I mean, no matter what the Rays do, there will be some people that will criticize them and call them evil, and uh, that's just kind of the way this goes. Um, but yeah, we'll see how they fill out, you know, those innings for now. He could be up in like two weeks. Like they're really, they could be. Like it, it was not like he's gonna go down and you know pitch here till the All Star break. It it was just we need to get him built up, and if things go well, he could be back up very soon, especially if Torinos and Fleming really struggle. 
Um, they've also got to add Javi Guerra tomorrow, so they'll have to make some sort of room. I think they have up to three days to do that, though. But they I imagine do. Tomorrow. Although you do yeah. have tomorrow, then an off day on Monday. It's it's possible. Um, I think what we'll probably see, I mean, again, I, the most likely with options that could fit would be somebody like Calvin Fauche or um, Yanni Chirinos. Because uh, they both pitched today. Yanni, because you don't need him in the rotation for a while. Um, so you he's already he's, he's kind of a dead spot on the roster for a little bit. Right. Um, if you do option him, you cannot bring him back up right away. So he would have to miss at least one turn in the rotation. Uh, but you could then do a spot start with like Luis Patino or... Maybe if you do want to push the button on like Elvin Rodriguez, who's who's got some of the best stuff numbers, who's seemingly developing into somebody that you might want in the rotation very soon. Um, so maybe you don't push the the 40 man button yet on that one. Um, so, yeah, I would imagine it's something like a Yanni going down uh, for um Guerra and you kind of now have a little bit more few shorter guys in the pen but let's let's talk about Javi Guerra because that was an interesting trade uh a a late um convert to pitching we 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 kind of had him last year he just started pitching uh at, in 2019 and then obviously we always talked about 2020 and 2021 as like complete messes for development like some like completely weird minor leagues were canceled and the offsite and not a lot of contact with teams. So really weird stuff. So 2022, he's with the Rays. They, they acquire him. And the things we know about Javi Guerra is his command is a disaster, which fine. He's the shortstop that just started pitching like a few years ago. Um, but he has a sinker, that's high 90s with insane movement that is one of the most filthy pitches in all of baseball. He has no command of it, but it's insanely good. And what the what we saw with the Rays is he got a little bit better at command, still wasn't great, but it gets whiffs. If he can develop that, if he can kind of keep that progress going, which honestly a guy at his you know, age is still only 27, but also brand new to pitching and that raw stuff. That's somebody that you do want to develop. And if he had an option, that's a guy that I think the Rays would love to keep in Durham and yeah. really give it, you know, give like a full year maybe to, to work on, but he doesn't. And they gave it a chance in the majors and he, he showed some flashes but again, we talked about it. Roster crunch time. They had they traded him. They got an interesting piece from Milwaukee. But now he was DFA'd again. Suddenly there's an opportunity to go out and get him. And what did the Rays do? They went and traded player to be named later or cash for him again, which they've now targeted him twice. When the Rays again target pitchers, that makes you think. That makes you do double takes. That makes you do triple takes, and you you see what's what's good there. He um, Milwaukee was starting to make move, I guess, to more of a sweep action with his slider, whereas before it actually had more of a like a drop. So it was more of the tunneling effect with the sinker. 
I'm curious to see if the Rays go back to saying we don't want you to add that. We actually want you to just be this sinker slider guy, but with a with a more gyro slider and then sinker so that you're basically seeing the same location, the same pitch that does two different actions with two very different speeds instead of swoopy uh, sweeper slider that is a very different pitch and easy to identify. Um, especially with a guy with the command issues, if you can have a pitch that you just completely ignore and you can focus on one, that makes it much harder. So I think you're going to see that with the Rays is that suddenly they're going to go full tunnel mode and and just sort of give that universal target. You know, Ben uh, Whitelaw was talking about this, the universal target the Rays love to do, which is basically the catcher sets up middle every single time. One target to throw to, you're not moving around, less thinking on the pitcher, less worrying about command. You just throw to that and let your natural movement take it somewhere else. And he's an interesting experiment. This is not going to always go well, but he does add something that we were talking about. What were we saying, Brett? We wanted whiffs. Yeah. We need somebody that can throw a ball past a bat. And Gara can get whiffs. I think Gara is that guy right now, which is, yeah, interesting acquisition to say the very least, right? But could be a guy that sticks around this time. Um, and and like I, we talked about last week's episode, you know, the the bullpen as a, as a whole, yes, Pete Fairbanks, might be the very best as long as he can feel his fingers. <laughs> Which um, there was a, that was a big scare. We had yeah. Fairbanks left in the middle of a of a close, a, a middle of a save attempt, and he didn't want to come out, but he did get pulled, and his command was starting to look. He, he was starting to only use the breaking balls instead of the fastball, which is like huge red flag. And then he comes out, and you're like, "Oh God, this is it. Here it is." It's over. It's over. Where's my bleach? Let's go. Uh, but no, it turns out he has this interesting, you know, um, uh, it's not really a disorder. I, I don't know what it's not. It's like a, it's a thing. I guess I'll, and some people on Twitter are actually posting like, I have this too. And it like, it sucks. And I'm like, I never heard of it. It's um, Renault's disease. Renault's disease or syndrome. Yeah. Renault's syndrome. Yeah, where you basically in cold weather, you're you. Uh, it's like a circulation thing where you basically right. lose, you get numbness in your fingers, lose control. But it's it's completely benign once you get those warm. You're you get your feeling again. But as a pitcher, not great to not have the feel, uh, have numb fingers. And so because of that, if he's throwing like, I mean, it's a dangerous weapon. He could kill somebody. <laughs> uh, so it's probably good they they pulled him um Kevin Kelly came in got the got the save so that was awesome but that's the very scary moments but thankfully um something that I guess he's he's had for you know ever and it's something that he knows about and so they'll figure it out gotta get some hot hands in the in the bullpen for <laughs> late September Yankee games and Boston games yeah no it definitely was scary though uh Yanni Diaz also left with an injury but Came off the bench on Saturday, drew a couple of walks as he does. <laughs> in the same inning. <laughs> yeah, run. Um, so he was fine. Uh, but maybe the plan was uh, like Miguel Vargas's spring training plan. Just don't, don't take swing. the bat off your shoulders. Yeah. And against the White Sox bullpen, I think that plan will work every single time. Uh, so work I'm well. okay with it. Yeah. And um, the Rays are 
going to come out of this with another road series victory. And it just, uh, I know they lost two or three to the Astros. They got shut out twice. So if you, if you look at the two teams that the Rays have lost series against, yes, those are the two teams, probably the only two teams they've played thus far that you expect to see in the postseason. Um, but they continue to just play really good baseball, bank a ton of wins. And yes, the bats went cold against a pretty good Astros team, the defending world champions. Um, so you lose two or three, not that big of a deal. And and again, it's you lose the the rubber match one to nothing. So like that, right. you know, anything could happen there. That was a really good pitching duel. Josh Fleming in in particular, we we mentioned him as like his an audition. He went toe to toe with Hunter Brown and uh, and and shut down a very right handed heavy Astros lineup. So that's a that's a tough lineup and a tough matchup for Fleming. Uh, and he pitched it fantastically well. So I, I think when you look at you know okay, it's not great to lose the two series against the teams with winning records. Um, though Boston has a winning record against teams not named Tampa Bay Rays. So that's Boston's at least not bad. Like they're in the AL East. <laughs> They're in last place, but they would be winning a lot of other divisions because the AL East is is a ridiculous division. Um, but like against Toronto, you had close losses. Against Houston, you know the offense went flat, but like that third game, anybody could win. Uh, one nothing game literally is a bloop and a blast away from flipping right. the script. So. I don't think those losses make me think like, oh, well, the team is, you know, a paper tiger. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, that's fine if people, if fans want to think that. But like, again, this is a lot of wins and a lot of domination wins. So including uh, one each against Houston and Toronto as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, they're not getting swept. Um, they're doing just fine. And, yeah, I'm just <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for the losing streak to start, the the stretch where they you know lose eight of ten. I'm waiting for that, and it'll come. Um, but man, May is going to be the big test, right? I think yeah. after May, on June first, there is no more questions, right? Anymore, like there's no overarching questions. Right. Health health is a totally different thing. Like every every team has health questions. You know, if healthy, again, we talk about this. It's like, if Aaron Judge stays healthy, well, like, yeah, that's a big, you know, like that is, it's a totally, the Yankees are a totally different team if Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge miss the season. Same thing with the Rays, same thing with the Cardinals, same thing with the Dodgers, same thing with the Padres. Like, I I think I'm always like, that's like sort of like the, just, we all get it. Everybody can say like, if you're like, this team is going to go all the way and they don't, and it's because of huge injuries, I don't think anybody can be like, ah, you were totally wrong. It's, we know that. So after May though, you have, you'll know like kind of where this team sits. If they have a winning record, like if they have a winning month, I should say, they'll have a winning record. But like if they have a winning month against this lineup of of teams, this team is, you know, division and AL champ potential. Like that's the trajectory. They go 500. They're still very much like in that, you know, they pretty much have a playoff spot almost locked up this early. Again, health, 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 uh, you know, knock on wood. Um, if they go 
like under 500 in the, in the month of May, suddenly then maybe you do say like, okay, where they sit. There may be like a wild card squad. A lot of things. But this is the lineup for May. Pittsburgh, the Yankees, Baltimore, the Yankees again, the Mets, the Brewers, the Blue Jays, the Dodgers, and then the Cubs. Okay. Pretty good run. So all of those teams are have winning records. And Pittsburgh has the best record of all of them. So fun fact, he gets started off with the best right off the bat. Um, the Brewers are probably, the Brewers and Cubs are probably the weakest teams, but they also have really some good, really good pitching and they've played well. They've been winning baseball games. So, you know, like the Brewers had like, I think like five losses or six losses just a couple of days ago. Um, the, the Cubs have also been a nice little surprise early on. So that's a full month. There's not a bad team in this group. So again, this will be like all the questions on June 1st. After that, after May, there's not going to be this like, oh, man, you know, is this team any, any good? Is this any, you know, is it just because of the favorable schedule? We'll have had one month of very favorable, one month of very good. And then there you go. And then a few more months of baseball after that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're not going to be breaking records and we'll just be like a really good 97 win team. Who knows? Yeah. I feel like I'm ready for that. Like we're, we're, we're done with the, the, um, uh, Maroons era of, of the season. Now we're just into the like, okay, let's just, let's just win some ball games and let's see what, because I think you do need to have this test, you know, at some point during the season, which is who do you count on in high leverage mm -hmm. moments? Who do you count on for the big moments? Who do you maybe start to shift around? And it becomes exciting because now you're a month into the season. You, you do now have more data. So it's like, okay, what do you have in Luke Rayleigh? Is this a guy you want to keep around? Is he a guy that we start to think maybe now's the time? When do you pull the trigger on Kyle Manzardo? I, I think Luke Rayleigh has done enough so far, but that's the those are the questions you start to have is like, once you get to mid-May, you then decide like, do we need another catcher? Do you need to replace this guy? Do you need more bullpen? Do you need a rotation member? And the most exciting thing of all of this is mid-May, is the slotted return date for Tyler Glass now. So yes. we have some exciting stuff coming up when the return of Glass Nasty. You know, he's, I mean, I don't want to say ahead of schedule yet because, like, you hear mid-May return, and then that might mean he heads on his rehab assignment and he's there for, like, two weeks, and then they bring him back. So it could be very much, like, into June before we see him in the big leagues. But just great news to hear Tyler Glass now throwing again, um, throwing, at, you know, with some higher intensity again. And, yeah, you add a guy who is arguably, I think goes into the same category as Jacob deGrom, who hit the IL again today. Yeah, horrible. Um, horrible. When, when they're healthy, and neither of them have proven to ever be that, when they are healthy, two of the top, well, DeGrom's the top right-handed pitcher in baseball, and I'd put Glass now in that top five. 
Um, and so you add that Absolutely. to a team that is just the best team in baseball by far uh, in terms of how they've played so far this year. Um, that's That seems like a cheat code, but it's it's great news. And just he's got to stay healthy into the postseason. Exactly. And now, to, but to, to follow up on what you were saying, though, uh, his his next step, apparently, so he did a two-inning live BP session at the TROP today. Very encouraging. Next step is a three-inning outing in Durham sometime next week. If he starts throwing in Durham, that that does target okay. May in the majors. Okay. Now, again, there can be setbacks. They can be, if his pitch shape's not right, if, if things like that, you know, you don't rush it. But, like, he's going to be throwing three innings for the Durham Bulls, which means the next time out he can be throwing four to five. The next time out it's a full slate. And then next time out maybe it's a Tropicana field. So it is it is well in line, if all things go well, of a mid-May return of the champ. Now, again, this is one of those things where the Rays are going to be, they can be super cautious and they can just be just really smart about this. No reason to do any shortcuts. You have plenty of, of cushion. And the, if you have a four game losing streak, you do not need to panic and bring up Tyler Glass now. You want Tyler Glass now for uh, late July for August, the stretch run in September, and then deep into October. So you you give him enough time. But I know Tyler Glass now is itching to get back out there. This must have been so impossibly hard for somebody as competitive as he is to be sitting around and missing all of this fun and winning and not being out there. So I know he's going to be eager to get back, and I just cannot wait to see him pitch again. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. Um, if it comes in a series against uh, an opponent like the Yankees, uh, it might, uh, you know, you might be able to get to watch from the upper deck because the Rays are doing that, which is, I think is a good thing, uh, right? I've had very mixed feelings about the closings of the upper deck. It just feel it felt weird, right, to go to a game and like, oh, there's all those seats and they're just covered up. And you always had the tarps all the way at the top of the upper deck, but it's been closed now for a few years. The Rays are opening up some sections, though, for this series against the Yankees. But with that has come some debate over the cost of the tickets. And Darby, I know you were more vocal about this <laughs> on Twitter, but, I mean, what is it, like 40 bucks just to go to a Rays-Yankees? 30, $39 for the cheapest tickets. Yeah, for the upper deck. Um, yeah. So, okay. This is, this is where I, it's, it's like, I cannot help myself. I have to like jump in and, and take a big old swing at the hornet's nest every single time. And I know it's not, not smart or good to do this, but like, I just can't help it. And it, it frustrates me because I don't want I don't want Rays fans to get a perception of being the this very insular, uh, sheltered, mm -hmm. bubble fandom that doesn't understand how the real world works. And I'll say this, right? If you want to complain about uh, high, higher price tickets and sort of price gouging in a lot of ways in general, and if you want to talk about 
uh, fees and Ticketmaster. I'm not going to defend any of that. It's garbage. Uh, guess what? We are living in a capitalistic society, <laughs> and that's how things work. Is when the supply becomes higher, or when the when the demand is there, the supply suddenly gets more expensive. Uh, that's how things work. You saw that with eggs. You see it with gas. You see it with every company that decides, "Hey, this is an opportunity. People want my product. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Will you buy it for this much? Well, how about this much? Let's just keep raising it up." So I'm not gonna defend garbage like that. But guess what? That's this is small potatoes, everybody. Mm -hmm. This is this is insane. The Yankees are the premier ticket, pretty much in baseball. I'll, I'll admit that, right? Like, I, I don't want the fans to get a bigger head than they already have, but they are. They they are the a prestige team that has fandom everywhere. And and you've been. I'm I'm assuming you've been to a Yankees Rays game at the Trop. It they, it's it it's electric, obviously, and there's a lot of Yankee fans. There's a lot of Yankees fans. Like, there's a lot of New Yorkers in Florida. There's no there's hiding of, it. There's a lot of Yankee fans at Marlins games. Yeah. In it, Miami, I've been to the old pro player, and that they were, they traveled well there. To be fair, there's a lot of Yankee fans all over the country. I think it's the Maybe. same way. Like you look at the Bucks, who have now won a Super Bowl in recent years. Go to a Bucks Cowboys game in Tampa. Go to a Bucks Packers game. Bucks Giants mm -hmm. game. Like it's there's no hiding. Like this Florida is still very much like a transplant state, and the Yankees fans sometimes outnumber Rays fans at the Trump. It's true. Yeah. And so the what you have happened here is that you're going to spend more on weekend games than weekday games mm -hmm. because the weekend is when people are off. So there's more people wanting to go to a baseball game than there are on a Tuesday. So you have that factor. You then have the Yankees, which you know you have a lot of local fans that you want to get their money because you only have a few days a year that have get their money. Plus, it's a big rivalry. It's division rivalry. It's the it's prestige players it's the mvp of the league record it's the guy breaker. that record yeah it's like so you're going to that's another so you have both of these dual multipliers adding up and you're complaining that they're opening up tickets because it's sold out in the lower bowl for 39 dollars and 49 for i guess the a better viewscape at like closer in hey have you been to have the people complaining about this? What other sporting events have you been to? I want to know. I because people are talking about this. Somebody mentioned on on Twitter that like you can go to a Yankees game for cheaper. No, you can't. You can't though. Like you're you're wrong. And you're wrong because like maybe you can get a standing room ticket during the week to the Royals. You can't yeah. do it against the Red Sox against the the blue jays with good view viewing seats like it's gonna be more it might be similar pricing but it's gonna be more and it's gonna be even taller because their stadium had some much more capacity like you're wrong and you look stupid when you say that like you you look like you you just are like only going to tampa bay rays games in the in tropicana field like look at the price of hockey they have half the games that 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 uh, baseball does. So the prices are always going to be 50, 60, 70, 80 bucks. Like that's just the way it goes. 
football, it even fewer games, even higher prices. The demand is higher. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to have to defend a billionaire pricing tickets more expensive than they normally would. But I, it's also like, why are we fighting about $39 tickets? Like, if you want to do that, then like, be radicalized and, and damn the man and, and bring it down. But like, can we like, let's, let's attack like big pharma. Like that, like, if you want to talk about price gouging, if you want to talk about this things, like let's, let's really concentrate our efforts into something bigger, broader, and more impactful than a fairly elevated price, but a fairly smart one because you're adding tickets that weren't in existence because you now opened it up for a special event because it was sold out and there's much higher demand. I don't know, man. Like, it's it's not that crazy. Like I've been to a lot of baseball games around the league and there's going to be, I think the biggest thing, here's the biggest thing that, that people are totally, they're totally right about. And, and it's something that will happen with a new stadium. You need more standing room or party deck areas that are not seats that are maybe obstructed views, but they're cheaper. And I think there's a lot of, new modern stadiums that have extra space to go hang out, to drink, to have fun, but you're like on a rail and you're, there's no seat to be found and you can get in for like 10, 15 bucks. Like you can get those tickets. That I think is fine. I want those to be available, but that's the thing this year. The Rays are offering that. There's the cheaper season ticket offers. There's the Randy land offers. There's standing room offers. If you're getting a seat, if you're getting good pricing, if you're getting good locations, it's going to be for more money. That's just that you're not going to get like the lower bowl in Seattle or in San Diego or in St. Louis or in Kansas City for the price of a standing room ticket. Like you can't compare the two and you can't compare interdivision rivalries. You can't compare Saturdays to weekdays versus out of division, out of out of even the league. Like it's it's just silly. It's silly. And we get this every single time when it's like the Rays don't care about getting fans in there because they priced a premier ticket at a fairly premier rate, but not exorbitant rate, just a just a higher elevated than normal. You know what's gonna happen to those tickets, Darby? What's going to happen, Brad? They're going to be sold. People oh, yeah. will buy oh, yeah. these tickets. And Absolutely. A great atmosphere at the Trop. And I think well, this year, it's going to be a lot more Rays fans. Like, I think there's that interest. And you've seen that in the attendance numbers. We saw that with Boston series. The, the Boston series, again, is a very similar. A lot of transplants from the Northeast, from New England. And you have a lot of Boston uh, fandom that usually fills the trop and it becomes like a 50-50 sometimes or even sometimes 60-40 for Boston. This time around, not the case, not at all. And of course, the Rays didn't really give Boston a lot of room to celebrate or much to celebrate for, but it was overwhelming and loud for Tampa. So I, I'm excited. I hope you're right. I, I think this is going to be a fairly rowdy uh Tampa Bay leaning crowd well we'll see we'll see if the Rays can keep it up they've got one more game against the White Sox a four game road sweep would be something else 
And who do we send to the mound? I don't Drew know. Rasmussen. Drew Rasmussen. So yeah. then an off day. And then the Pirates, we get to – I'm, I'm really excited. The Pirates have been um, really fun to watch this year. And so excited to see how they match up against the Rays. Um, unfortunately, like you said, we won't see G. Montroy. But um, there's a bunch of other fun players. Um, maybe – I don't think – I think we'll miss Rich Hill by a day or two. No, Dick Mountain. Uh, yeah, we'll miss him. Yeah, he went. He went today. So one, two, three, four. Could could be on the on the uh, Thursday. Okay. Maybe if he's if they're on a five. I don't know if he's on the. I don't know what his kind of schedule. But if he's on a normal five day starter schedule, to tie it back to the beginning. Look at this. Woo, we've made it. Um, <laughs> we would get uh, old man Rich Hill. Well, Darby, um, I think we we've covered it all. Um, it's fun doing these weekly, but there's only so much news to go through. And I think we covered it all today. Um, yeah, any, any final thoughts? Uh, it, you know, the capper of the month happens tomorrow, to, tomorrow, uh, when, when you listen to this today or it already happened, uh, this was one of the most magical months in Ray's baseball history. Probably it is the most magical month in Ray's baseball history. Um, at least for regular season. This was an incredible run, an absolutely incredible run with so much excitement. And to do it, I think if this happened in May or in June, it would be amazing. But the fact that it kicks off this season, it, it, it's just so much more magical because it it's setting up this whole, we have so much more baseball to go, but we are starting at such a fun high that this ride is just kind of getting started and what a way to kick off this year uh 23 and 5 tomorrow with a chance to go 24 and 5 <laughs> insane and unreal and if they fall to a 23 and 6 that's also pretty impressive too that's not going to put too much of a damper so what a what, what an amazing amazing first month of of baseball Definitely, definitely, and uh, we'll we'll hope it continues um, into May and, and as the season goes on. But yeah, it's been a ton of fun and easy team to talk about. Um, it would give us more content though if they lost a couple here and there. We could question some managerial decisions. Um, you know, we'll we just could... get real nitpicky in May. Hopefully, a lot of wins, and then just be like, yeah, I don't know that. That Taylor Walls bunt, though, <laughs> when they were up nine to two, I it just you know, you bunting really does lower the value of the win probability from ninety nine point nine percent to about ninety nine point nine eight repeating. So like, uh, I don't know what Cash is doing there. Was that his own plan? Did he miss a signal? Yeah, we'll just get super pedantic. I, I think that's my that's my hope. I Lots of wins and real pedantic podcasting. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Uh, if you like what we do, if, if you're already followed this podcast feed, stay with us. If not, you know, every new episode will be downloaded directly to your device. Make sure to follow uh, us on Twitter. I'm at BGRutherford99. Darby's at Darby underscore Robinson. And make sure to keep checking out DRaceBay.com. Tons of great Raise content and will continue to be the home of this podcast, even after we have joined the Fans First Sports Network. So that's going to do it. We'll talk to you guys next week.